Welcome everyone. Welcome to oh, Refute Yourself. Later with Lou, number four, episode four. We are rattling these out fantastically. So um, it's Lou from Pods Like Us. Well, Marv, her other half, runs Pods Like Us. And Lou is slowly but surely bringing her own skills to it. And this, if you haven't listened to this side series before, welcome. I don't know what number side series is. I've got quite a few of them. But this is more of a long-form chat where we basically pretend we're reviewing a film, but it just becomes a general conversation. But I have a feeling today, with the fourth episode we're doing, this is going to be a proper review because I love this film. The film that we're doing is Sleeping with the Enemy. So before I introduce my guest, I'm just going to read through the back of the DVD cover. So at first, Martin Burney appeared to be the man of Laura's dreams. He was handsome. I want to do this in American. I don't know why. He was handsome, successful, <laughs> and seductively attractive. It wasn't until they were married that she discovered the real Martin was a woman's worst nightmare. Compulsive, <laughs> controlling, and dangerously violent. Sorry for the accent. Uh, <laughs> after uh, after th- after three years of living in fear and dread, full stop, should have been a comma, uh, Laura plans her escape. Knowing <laughs> that nothing short of her death would prevent Martin from tracking her down, she fakes drowning in a boat accident and relocates to a small Midwestern town. Oh, God, that's an awful accent, right? Even with a new look and a new identity, Laura lives in the grip of fear, stalked by the memory of Martin's brutality, a memory that comes terrifyingly to life when Martin discovers that Laura is still alive. Driven by demented obsession, Martin will stop at nothing to find his wife and make her pay for her deceit. It's a bit wordy, isn't it? Mm, very. Anywho, it's Sleeping with the Enemy, the 1991 film, starring the fantastic Julia Roberts and the equally fantastic... Patrick Bergen, who I would argue plays one of the best villains of all time in this type of film. I've actually got a plot summary that's better that seems better than that. Go for it, go for it. <laughs> sure. So it's it's down as a um well, obviously a nineties thriller. Um a young woman, Julia Roberts, fakes her own death in an attempt to escape her nightmarish marriage with her abusive husband, uh who's very controlling. Um, but discovers that it is impossible to elude him. They've been married for four years and seem to be the perfect, happiest, most successful couple. That's probably better. That's better, to be fair. <laughs> it's a bit more bit more concise and to the point, yeah. I think. Yeah, it is. Uh, screen pair, screen, pair, screenplay by Ronald Bass, directed by Joseph Rubin, music by the awesome Jerry Goldsmith, Go check out Star Trek Voyager, the best Star Trek theme there is. It's nice music as well. Oh, great. I mean, what do you expect from Goldsmith? He's, he's fantastic. And it starts off, um, she's clamshell picking. I mean, I would say cockle shell, but whatever. I've got some trivia about that. Go, uh, on this beautiful beach, it's quite idyllic. No, no, go for it. Yeah, what's the trivia for that? Apparently, it was she was in a short dress when she was on the beach, and it was so cold, she was absolutely frozen. So, obviously, in America, they call... Trousers, pants, not to be cute or confused with, you know, English. <laughs> and to make her feel better, uh, the crew dropped their trousers to make her feel more comfortable because it's so cold. Ah, yeah, okay, yeah. The, yeah I'm with you. <laughs> but you because do Americans would say they drop their pants, but yeah. if you say they drop their pants in, in the UK, it's like, yeah. that, that's, <laughs> that's not acceptable behaviour. Um, so... But watching it the second time round, for me, this, uh, it's brilliant to pick up all the little signs. So she's there, she's cockle shell picking or clam pelt shell, but whatever she's picking. Uh, for, for her and her husband, supper or whatever they call it. Clam chowder. Uh, tea. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, 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 uh, it's Cape Cod, isn't it? So yeah. No, it's, it's not actually. Hard. It's not actually filmed in Cape Cod. That's another bit of trivia, actually. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, just give me a second. <laughs> Just rifle through my um, my notes. Um, there are numerous. Oh, right, okay. So the beach house is supposed, supposedly in Cape Cod, but it's actually filmed in Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina, on Figure Eight Island. Yeah. So, I mean, isn't, um, I think Jaws, that's not Cape Cod either, is it? Ooh. That's supposed to be no, Cape was, Cod, but it's not, is it? Was it Martha's Vineyard or something? Mm, I think so. 
off the top of my head. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I've got to do Jaws at some point. Yeah, oh, so, yeah. so her husband, what you know, it looks very idyllic. This romantic music's playing. Her husband walks over. Well, a man, but you know, Petrie Fergan walks over. Her husband. And he says, oh, I agreed to go next. Do you know, it all seems very innocent when you first watch the film until a certain point. But when you watch it back, the signs are there. So of how manipulative he is. So you get all your hard work wasted. Like, I agreed we'd go next door to, to meet the new neighbours. And and he's like, oh, but I'll ring and cancel if you like. I can let them know we'll cancel. And, he, and she's he like... to play the victim, isn't he? He's oh, trying yeah. to, uh, you know, make her bad if she agrees to it. Um, it's, it's, yeah. it's all control, yeah. yeah, it's all yeah. control, isn't it? Like he's, you know, he's like, oh well, look at all the hours you've wasted. But he doesn't care. It's like his way or the high. It's his way or well, not the highway because he wouldn't let her leave. But you know, and there's the the, the even the next bit where they're seemingly innocent about do I wear the black dress? Do I wear the red dress? And she says, oh, can I wear you know the red dress? And, and he's, he's chosen like, oh, the black one. He's like, no, the black one. And she's like, but it's backless. It could be chilly tonight, and then the next scene, the next it cuts, and you see her in the black dress. So again, yeah. it it's all everything's for him. It's the same with the you know the intimate scenes later on, which, which are the furthest thing from intimate you've seen anyway. But they're actually more graphic. There's another version where they're actually more graphic than that. Uh, but um, I, I it's enough. That one. It's enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's very much it's it's all it's on his terms, and it's all about him. It's not about her. Like, you can tell he, he takes no interest in what she's getting out of it. And, you know, the... And, and again, I mean... <laughs> the, the the Berlioz Symphony Fantastique, which is which was kind of retooled, and everyone will know it. It's the music from the beginning of The Shining. So that creeps you oh out my. as much as it is. I've seen yeah, The Shining, but I don't remember that. Oh, it's the music from The Shining at the start that's like... It's actually one of Patrick Bergen's favourite pieces of music, and he chose it for the film. Brilliant choice, Patrick. Nice one. Yeah. Uh, not the most aphrodisiac of music, to be honest with you, but I mean, <laughs> but then you see him. You know, he's on that climbing machine, and he is an athletic, strong guy, and she is a regular woman. You know, she's she's she's, I'd say about the uh, about the kind of right weight. She doesn't look under. Which doesn't look overweight, but you know, because she's a woman and he's a man and an athletic man at that, she is massively outmatched. Not that it's a fight, but just in terms of the physicality, I mean, he, he you know, it, this is not like it, it just makes it that much worse because she, you know, when well, we see that later, where you see that he's a control freak, that he's like the towels aren't in line and he says it's everything, everything he takes up the room and it's that chillingness of everything in here as it should be. It's that. That like kind way of putting it, but it's absolutely horrendous what's behind it. And you know whether he's actually OCD or not, who knows? I mean, it doesn't matter because I mean it's more about him controlling and him being, you know, abusive to his wife. And 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 again, we see that with the fact she doesn't like the sea, she can't swim. Yeah. But he still takes her out once a year. And it's like this is this is or this is a horrible. I mean, why would you? make somebody face their phobia if it terrifies them. And you but you see that Patrick Bergen he's he's easy on the eye. He's really charming. He he knows how to talk to people and you know and really manipulate them. You see that in the scene with the neighbor who has the boat and Patrick Bergen says, you know, oh I I'm a investment banker or something like that in Boston and the guy says, oh I'm I'm a whatever he You're is. You're a surgeon or something? That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. And he says, oh, I don't get to spend as much time on the water, but boating's a passion Try of mine. Try to get her out once a year. Yeah, and it's about, you kind of get the uh, the feeling, and not that not that it at all, uh, like, pardons what he does. But you can see he has frustrations about his own life, that he is not out there sailing a boat. He's not doing exactly what he wants, although he has from the outside a beautiful you know house on the beach and clearly earns a decent amount of money but well, he has on the outside he's got a perfect life hasn't he really as as does she really from the outside but you it's know the whole uh, things going on behind closed doors yeah although i mean it's it's a glass 
to Glass House, yeah. isn't it? I, I don't, they don't say anything about that, but it's a very interesting thing because I was thinking, like, especially the first scene where he, he essentially backhands her in the head, and because he says, Oh, I've just been talking to the neighbor, he says, You've been staring out the window at him every day, which is not yeah. true, that's a lot no. out lie. <laughs> Because I wondered whether she had looked out at him to see the boat to formulate a plan of, you know, escaping. But, but I mean, yeah, every day is just a lie, and obviously the guy doesn't say that to it, to him. And you know, it shows you the nerve of someone to to not only do that, but to do it in a house where there's such massive windows. Yeah. You no, know, I mean, this is the second week running where we've done a film where the house is virtually see through. That's so, true. Yeah. Mm. Although this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but and yeah, um, yeah, sorry. yeah, sorry. Um, no, no, yeah, when you mentioned about uh, when he hits her, when he hits her at the beginning of the film, um, and she, you know, when she falls on the floor, mm-hmm. um, it's actually Julia Roberts falling on the floor and hitting her head for real. And um, she actually, uh, they actually got, got it on the first take, Jesus. but it's really her doing that, and also, um. In the first scene, you know where where she with it. I think it's where they just come back from the party, and she, um, I think it's when when she yeah when she's on the floor, um, you know when he kicks her. Mhm. He's actually doing that for real. Jesus. Um. Apparently there this there was a sandbag next to her that he was supposed to kick, and he misjudged it, and he and he kicked her in the leg instead, so it was real. The reaction was real to that. God. She's got a bit of a thick... Not not to detract from the seriousness of, of... I mean, that's unfortunate. Not to detract from the seriousness of it. But she has a real penchant for... Like, it's a posh word. She has a real... <laughs> think of, like, real, real reactions. Because in... Mm. Um, what's that one? An officer and gentleman, is it? Where she's... No. Pretty lit. What's it called? Woman. Pretty, pretty woman. woman. Yeah, you know, the scene with the little... Jewelry box. box. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, that was, her that real was uh, improvised by Richard Gere, wasn't it? Yeah, again with a real reaction, but obviously a completely different context. But yeah, I mean, I was going to say they are, they do look very, very realistic, and it explains why now. I was, I wasn't aware of that, but obviously, I've no doubt some some safety guy got chewed out for that one. But I mean, you know, these things will probably these mistakes will happen. But I mean, you know, you see her after that, and she smashes some lights near near a house on the beach and you think it's just out of frustration but then when you've seen the film before you see that she's doing it so that when she gets swims to shore she, there's a gap in the lights so she knows exactly where to swim for and to be fair the you, you see the kind of relationship as well that she works three mornings a week at a library and he's he's oh, I, I allow you to do that uh, allow you, you yeah, key I, word, you, I allow yeah, you to do yeah. that you know you love books and then he he moans about when she took a couple of days, at, uh, you know, away, because she says something like, "Oh, when is you know, uh, can I work more full time at the library?" And he's like, "Oh, they could you do with using me more?" Or yeah, and yeah. She, he says, "Well, he says, well, you know, no," and she's like, "Well, when when is your tea ever been late to the table?" Which I mean, even in 1991, I mean that kind of that kind of expectation of like men and women i mean that's massively old-fashioned i'm not saying it doesn't happen you know there's nothing wrong with having somebody's tea ready for them but that expectation that <laughs> when when man come home from work woman has food on table you know that that's like that's 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 old hat even for the 90s so of course so that whole thing is ridiculous in of itself but you can see that she's like when is your when is your food ever been at the table and he's like, oh, I can think back once or twice where it was late. And he mentions this two days. She says, I took time away to go to my mother's funeral. But you then find out later on, actually, no, she'd, she'd, her mum didn't really die and she put her in a care home because her mum had a stroke and she's blind. And, um, and she's like the only link that, that we presume, because they don't talk about siblings or a dad or anything, you presume it's the only thing that, that uh, Laura has in her life outside of him is her mother and and yeah i mean and that seems chilling as well where she says to him like you reminded me the enough the night you came home or the, enough the night i came home and uh, god knows what i mean you, sometimes what you think can be worse than you know what you get shown so oh he says uh, forgetting that's what reminding's for oh 
Yeah, I mean, then a Carsey turns up with the flowers and presents, and I'm you sorry. Never but, give, what is he? You should never Sorry. give women flowers as an apology. That totally, that's totally wrong. That you should never give flowers for an apology. It's true. It's I don't, true. Not in my opinion. No. So I tend to give them for birthdays and stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, give them for a good reason, not 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 for an apology. Yeah. Um, I was thinking um, this. I don't know if you've seen a film called Final Analysis with uh, Richard Gere and Kim Basinger. No, I can't say that. Really good. This is this is like another. Um, it reminds me a bit of that because it's um, they've got a similar theme, you know, a wife in an abusive marriage, and um, that actually came out um, in nineteen ninety two, a year after Sleeping with the Enemy came out, mm. and um, you know, in the early nineties, it's um, there was a lot of suspense thrillers rolling around husband and wife characters, um, like A Kiss Before Dying, which I think I mentioned last week, Cape Fear, Deceived and Presumed Innocent, which I mentioned. So they're all, in the 90s, there was a lot of these sorts of thrillers about, um, you know. I think that I'd like to, I mean, if this isn't at the top end of them, I'd love to see how good the others are. Oh, this uh, is, I mean, the, the script... It's just, it's fantastic that the writing, which yeah. is something I, I, you know, I have issue with, with modern films, at least the last 10, 15 years, well, 10 years with the writing. Uh, I mean, the only thing for me is uh, trying to flush the ring away feels stupid in an otherwise meticulous plan. But for me, watching it back the second time, I fear that her action of taking that off, that ring, it was more an emotional decision to throw it down the toilet than it was symbolic, a, a rational decision. Yeah, I think, I think she probably didn't intend to do that, but she looks at it, she sees it, she even struggles to get it off her finger, and you see, she kind of like throws it, and she expects it to have gone, and she's you know, but given the fact that she goes to the house and mops it, and she's had this money hidden away, and you know all this. I mean, it's very, very, very. It's very well. The weird thing out. is, I mean, but of course, sorry. If, if it's not there, then... He did, no, I was going to say, the only last thing was, that if that's not there, then he doesn't find out she's alive. So there has to be something that makes him go, oh, OK. I thought that was, like, probably one of the first mistakes was to try and flush that, because once he saw that, he'd know she was still alive. But I thought, well, A, I don't think a ring would flush down the toilet, and B, why was it so long before he noticed it in the toilet? How long, how long did it take him to, to notice that? I mean, I, I got the impression that he's basically had the funeral and just moved out of the house. It didn't look like anything had changed. I think he's just... I think he's just moved back to the city and got back to his job. I don't think he's... I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean... Meanwhile, she decides to 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 go and she's moved her mum to a, a nursing home in Iowa. But she rents a house there under the name Sarah Waters. Uh, and even the bit on the way there, I mean, she's wearing a wig, but the scene on the bus between Laura and the lady who gives her an apple is just, just brilliant. The the writing is absolutely top notch. And she's basically saying, oh, are you out west or whatever? And she's like, oh, I'm, I was visiting an old friend. She was in a relationship with a man and he, you know, hurt her and things like that. And, she, and the woman knows and she says, you know, and I like that. I like that. Sure. That like another woman knows, like another woman looks at her and goes, "Yeah, I know, I know what's going on." Like maybe it's happened to her and she knows. Yeah, yeah. Like I like that because I think it's. I'm not saying if it was a man she was talking to, he couldn't have empathised. Yeah, well, Ben works out later on. Like, oh God, what did he do to you? But it's just slightly different between two women than it is between a man and a woman. But it, it still has like. I love the writing in that scene. I thought it was great. You know, how long did you stay with him? And it's the scene where she, uh, the bit where she says, you know, too long, three years, two months, and six days. And I'm like, Jesus, like, <laughs> I mean, you you get the feeling from that that she has she has had to like survive every single day, like she, she's because he could very easily kill her, very easily kill her. And you see how she is in that she always she's looking around for things and. She's making sure things are in the right order and in the right place and stuff like that and running past him what the food's going to be. and Yeah, I thought that was a great scene. How about, how about yourself? 
Yes, uh, I I agree. I mean, like you said, the the, the cast is brilliant. Although it, the, the on the internet it said it's a very sparse cast, but I don't think they need a big cast. But yeah, acting, writing, just brilliant. Uh, I mean, I've seen it a few times. It's it's definitely one of my favourites. I've seen it a few times, but yeah, top notch, top notch cast acting. I mean, Patrick Bergen is actually Irish, so he, he pulls off his American accent quite well. Better than me. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Patrick. As, as if you weren't evil enough. Uh, I love the bit. Where, uh, one of my favourite bits is apart from the thing with the tins and the towels is the moment of realisation that she's still alive because he finds out she's been going to swimming lessons. Oh, I was going to say, bloody Vanessa Shelley. Call it mine from the YWCA, which is like a Young Women's (laughs) Christian Association. Yeah. Um, I googled it. And um, uh, she's like, oh, she studied gym. She's been swimming with us. And he's like, no, you've got it wrong. And you can tell he genuinely thinks you've got this wrong. But it's when she says, oh, she studied gymnastics. And he says, no, no, my wife didn't study gymnastics. She says, yeah, she did. That's how she got all those awful bruises. bruises. And it's like, oh, and you can see in his face. Well, of course, he smashes the phone, doesn't he? So and just before that, he notices the broken lights, doesn't he? He steps on a piece of the piece of the glass and notices that. And I just think, you know, I, like, I loved that. That was great. And then back in Iowa, you see Ben. Uh, ben Woodward played by Kevin Anderson. He's the neighbour and he's like singing and watering the plants and she goes to kind of scrub scrub some apples. Um I don't know what the laws are in America on that. Well it's probably the same as here. But she goes to take some apples to make a pie. <laughs> An apple pie. Hot damn. Hot Actually, American. um people think that uh, apple pie is is like typically totally american but it's actually british it's a british invention not american so it's oh, not as american as uh, um apple pie apple pie is actually british ah, so fair enough uh something oh, in, oh i was gonna say something interesting about the uh sorry all these notes are just all over um oh, sorry, something about interesting it. about the uh, cast. Um, you know, we said in the past that well, 99.9% of the time they choose the right people for the films. Um, but can you believe that Jane Fonda and Kim Basinger were, were considered for the part of Laura? Um, but this would have been, I think, too similar to Final Analysis, I think, for Kim Basinger. But um, John Cusack was actually offered the role of Ben. Um, oh, but, I was going to say, I'd have liked to see him in Patrick Bergen's role. I think he yeah, could do yeah, that well. Yeah, I think that yeah. would be better. I can't, I can't uh, as good as John is, I mean, he's one of my favourite actors, but I can't see him in the role as Ben. No, nor can I. Like, that seems to be... He needs to be someone who's like out and out nice. I'm not saying John, because it isn't, but... Who? Who? What was that word? Uh, I'm not saying that John Cusack isn't, but uh, yeah, I mean, Kevin Anderson is very likeable. I can't say I've seen him in an awful lot, but he's, she's understandably very wary of him because, you know, he says, oh, I'll make a deal with you about the apples and she just drops them. Like, I don't make deals. But well, don't you, can... you think, um, don't you think it's weird? I mean, she spent four years, um, 24-7 in an abusive marriage, um, putting up all sorts. And to me, um, she just seemed very sort of trusting of Ben, who is, well, is is a a stranger, a strange man. And yet she's very sort of eager to let him into her house. Uh, You know, I don't think that's very realistic. I mean, if if you'd put up with that, you wouldn't want to be within 10 miles of 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 a man, would you? I mean... I think, I don't know, I mean, I can only give a man's perspective. I mean, that's a woman's perspective on it, but which is probably more realistic from my point of view. I was thinking that she is like a bit of a, she's cold towards him at the start. She doesn't want anything to do with him, but she sees gradually throughout this that he's, he's a, he's a nice man. He's, she can tell he's not like Patrick Burke, like, like, you know, Martin is. Or at least she thinks, you know, but but possibly it is a, probably a little bit rushed or it feels that way because 
I get the impression that this happens over like six months, but because it's a film, it's like quite. Kidding. It's hard to know how the time yeah. span. It's hard yeah. to know how. But you gather it's been a while because she gets buried, doesn't she? She gets buried. The mum's been moved for six months. Then she goes there. She manages to get a job. And I mean, there's a bit of a bit of a goof when um, when she meets Ben because um, I think when she when she's in the kitchen the first time, she's got her hair up. And then the next time he sees her, when he comes round for dinner, she's got her hair down and, and she has a bruise that she didn't have before. She's got her hair up, no bruise. And then when he comes round again, she's uh, got her hair down and she's got a, a big bruise. Uh, Continu- continuity error. But also, um, getting back to the uh, who, was, who else was considered, Sean Connery was also offered a role, uh, but don't, doesn't say what. So Martin thought that maybe Jane Fonda and Sean Connery might have been approached to be the married couple. To like be an older version, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, because she was only 22 when this was filmed, Julia Roberts. And her character's meant to be 28 if you go off the dates on the uh, headstone. I think it's 63 of whatever it is. So, yeah, I mean... Martin finds the ring. He employs private detectives. Now, a little bit of trivia that that I've got that I got from the DVD uh, extras, which had clips of audio with different you know people in the film and produced. So from from Leonard Goldberg, one of the producers, he said that he was having a conversation with somebody, uh, and they were saying that I think it was a private detective, and he said that the, their work had gone like had just like trebled, quadrupled, you name it. Like, was 10 times busier than ever before. And not with, like, sleaze... And this is, like, the quote. Not with, like, sleazy motels or with, you know, anything like that. It was more with men and women asking for background checks <clears throat> on somebody they'd begin they'd began to date. And the people were, like, less trusted. I mean, this is from 1991. Do you think that um, the, the film made, made sort of women more aware and more... It sort of made them feel like they could get help it, it was like almost um, like it helped I mean, them prompt I, them to I get mean, help and, and i'd like to think it. so but i think the message of the film is very much the police what are they going to do get a restraining order and he will still find me like she she essentially guns him down because she knows she can never get away from him so i think the message is a little bit mixed but i get what you mean in terms of like if this film made anybody realize Realise, I need to caveat what I mean, because not all abuse is just physical like we see in this. So if, if the, yeah, yeah, and financial and all the things we recognise now, even since, you know, 30 years ago, uh, this feels like 30 I mean, things are different to what they were 30 odd years ago, aren't they? Yeah, but in terms of... Uh, in some ways, not if, always. Yeah. Oh, no, but if it, may, if it made even just a few women or, or men uh, realise they were in an abusive relationship, then... then I hope so. I'd like to think it did. Um, but uh, and Leonard Goldberg anyway said that when he explained to people, like, oh, what's your new, what's the film you're working on? They said, oh, it's Sleeping with the Enemy. He said it was really strange because the men thought it was a spy film. And the women, <laughs> well, whereas women were like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So how, how, how like, interesting is that? That was, I thought that was really interesting. Mm. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Uh, when you said about Ju- Julia, um, she was twenty-two when she made that film. Yeah, she became actually became in that film. She became the youngest actress to earn a seven-figure fee for one performance. Good for it. I think at the time it was the most successful film release with a female lead in like since Alien, Aliens, I think, or something like that. Yeah. So no, it's 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 a cracker. So he employs this, these private detectives to find her. Again, very, very charming, very, very calm. You know, he makes up this cock and bull story about whatever. Uh, the same when he goes to the hospital, uh, not the hospital, sorry, the, the nursing home because he finds out about her mother because he goes to her old nursing home, his mother-in-law, and he finds the mother-in-law's new nursing home and he goes there and again he uses his charms on the young lady behind the but not that, like, young woman, sorry, behind the desk, and, you know, says, oh, my... he makes up another cock and bull story, 
But it sounds plausible, like, oh, my sister doesn't agree and she'd be crazy. Find out if I was here, blah, blah. And again, he's like, can you help me? Very charming. She's like, oh, of course I can, you know. And again, Patrick Bergen, very easy on the eye. But <laughs> appearances can be de deceiving, of course. Best scene for me, uh, where Martin is stood over Laura's blind mother with, uh, well, the first bit where he stood over her, uh, the first bit, and you see him and say, oh my God, he's found her. And then the bit later on where he picks up the pillow, he pretends to be Did you, um, um, do you think if that, uh, Mia Martin said, if that uh, uh, other member of staff hadn't come in the door, do you do you think he would have put it over a face or not? Do you know what I've got written down here? Was he going to smother the mother? I didn't mean to rhyme <laughs> that. Sorry, I didn't mean to rhyme <laughs> it. Accident, genuinely. Uh, I was going to ask you that. I think definitely, definitely. He has gone off. Oh, well, well, because he's found out the information. So if he kills her... But she's no threat, though, really, is she? Well, no, I know, but, but I mean, it, she's not a threat, but... It, if she says, oh, a man was here, and she would know. Julia Roberts would know. I think... Oh, I think definitely. Well, he was, he was like, about four inches from her face. So, oh, I think he definitely would have... At 100%. And he tries to kill Laura at the end. So, you know. I keep thinking that, you know, when, um, when she goes in disguise and he's there as well. Yeah. I've always, I mean, it's probably, I don't, it's the only way she would do that is if she knew that he was stood, you know, when he, they were stood virtually next to each other at the water fountain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought, well, this would only happen if she knew he was stood there. But I, I, I often think that when she has a drink and she, um, does the tap thing and moves away and then he has a drink and he goes in his face i keep thinking did she do that on purpose because she knew he was there look i don't know she'd have to know he was there to do that wouldn't she but i don't think so because if if she does know he's there if geez that doesn't make any sense if she knows he's behind her then it it it, it like takes away from the shock later on with the towels and that and she she's even thinking like oh maybe i've done it it but just looks does deliberate, doesn't it? Yeah, know? but I think it was maybe put in there as a, I don't know, a bit of brevity, maybe. But it, it's, it doesn't bring you out of the film. But it's like, oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. And, uh, you know, Martin, of course, goes truly off the deep end. He finds out that she's seeing somebody who's a drama teacher at this community college somewhere, and Cedar Falls. There you go. Nice one. I knew, I knew you'd know. Uh, and she, she uh, he, sorry, sits in the backseat of a car and he, like, gets this guy arm around, gets the gun to his head and he's like, you know, do, do, you know, my wife's a dazzling something, isn't she? And you're like, well, okay, you're going a bit hardcore here. And he's like, the guy's like, oh, well, God, there must be 20 teachers. And he's like, I know it's you. And he's like, honestly, got like, the wrong idea. I, I live with another man. Ask anyone. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, like, lucky duck, because poof, he, he, and he pistol whips him, knocks him out, and you're like, bit harsh. And, but, and, and again, like, where he's, where he's found us, so her and, uh, Laura and Ben go to the fun fair, you know, they're on the Ferris wheel, she's screaming, not out of fear, but with joy, and she's like, she's reclaiming this life back that she's never had, or at least hasn't had for three or four years, and this joy of life again with like a nice man beside her you know, that she's getting to know slowly but surely. And he he's there and he doesn't run at her. He doesn't shout. This is, this is the difference between a film made then and a film made now. I think if it was now, he'd be running after her, but he just stands there and they just film Patrick Bergen stood there with the different colored lights. Everyone's having like loads of fun around him and he's just stood there. And he's looking up at her, like iconic. Like there's iconic bits in this film. I can understand why, given it was like really, it was like a negative feedback when it first came out. I think it's iconic. Now he's just looking up at her with this new man. It he doesn't. He's not saying anything. He's just staring. This look of just like pure hatred, anger, but also of just pure threat like if you jealousy, saw somebody, probably as well oh, oh absolutely mm -hmm. but if you saw somebody looking at you like that get the hell out of there because that is the look of someone who there is no line like he will do whatever oh yeah absolutely yeah 
Yes, but yeah, he's somebody a bit knackered. Par- uh, yeah. Um, Julia Roberts hated filming in uh, Abbeville, South Carolina. She said it, it, it's a horribly racist town and she vowed never to return and and the residents were outraged by this so more than 100 of them um in upstate california sorry south carolina <laughs> after i did that bit <laughs> um they pitched in and paid 467 dollars between them for an ad to appear in variety magazine saying are there racists here perhaps some as there are throughout the world, but they do not define us. So. Yeah, I, I I'd heard the first bit, but not the second bit about about the advert. Strange. Mm. Yeah, I mean, again, with um, she comes back, she doesn't realise that because she, I don't think she's seen him in the in the in the the cow, and. She goes in, she sees the towels, and she's a bit discombobulated. She goes around the big words today. She goes around the hatch. <laughs> it's one of the dictionary for dinner. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so, yeah, spinach. So she goes around <laughs> the house, checking the cupboards. Uh, Michael Myers isn't there. He's not. Martin's not there. She goes around the whole house, and she checks it all out, and he's not there. And she, you can see her starting to think, oh, maybe I've done this accidentally, because she does that earlier, doesn't she? And then she messes them up. And and then That's the her taking back control, isn't it? Messing them up. It's her. Yeah. I mean, um, this is my house. It's it's my my Life. space, my house, my rules. If I want to have a messy cupboard, I can have a messy cupboard. There's nobody here to, yeah. uh, you know, tell, tell me, me otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. The music starts. Oh, the the symphony fantastique, and she's like, oh, it's it's Ben joking about, uh, because she told him earlier on that that it gives her the chills. That's so She doesn't explain why. And then she goes upstairs, she hears the smoke, the smoke alarm starts going off. The bath's she, overrun. Yeah, she runs downstairs. Well, she's in the bath, isn't she? So I think he must turn the bath back on. She she runs downstairs, the smoke alarm's going off, she's burnt some toast or something. The thing about the toaster is, is that it, me and Martin were saying, well, why would, you, why would you burn your toast? And Martin said, well, maybe that he's messed about with it to make it do that. Yeah, I think so, yeah. That's a good shot, actually, because he's messed about with the bath. And then, yeah, because all you'd have to do would be, uh, well, I don't know what you'd do. I mean, you wouldn't burn your toast. You wouldn't, I mean, the toaster you've been using for years or whatever, you wouldn't, or even not, you, I mean, if, uh, well, no, he, if he turns to that degree. If I mean, he turns, if he turns the timer up, though, because if she's mm-hmm. put it in for, because the number's on the side of a toaster. That's what he said, he probably turned it up. He's yeah. turned it up, so it's, it's like cooked the toast much longer. She then does the most stupid thing imaginable and she doesn't open the windows to ventilate the smoke. She smashes down a smoke alarm. Please don't smash down your smoke alarm. straight alarms. out the socket. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, well, they have different plugs in America that aren't earthed, so be careful for a start. And then two, she 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 doesn't open the windows to ventilate the smoke because it's, it's not a lot of smoke. Ventilate the smoke out. She she just smashes her alarm down. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, they save lives. Don't don't smash down your alarms. Get the smoke out. And if there's a fire, call the fire brigade for Christ's sake. Anyway, um, the t- and then she she you know she's starting to think it's a bit odd this, and and again it's most of it's done with just expression because there's nobody else there and she's not talking to herself and she opens one cupboard earlier on and before she gets in the bath and there's no it's all messy and she's like oh okay fair enough and then she comes to the cupboard and she opens it and it's the tins are all lined up. And she knows he's found her then. She runs to the door and you just hear... Uh, ben is meant to come over for like a hot date. And you just hear from behind her, hello, princess, it's wonderful to see you alive. And he's like, oh, that first touch, have you been thinking about it? And uh, no. like, uh, yeah, she's like, no. Uh, I've been thinking about the hot stuff next door, but she doesn't say that. She thinks it. Um, ben uh, Ben comes to the door and she's like, it's not a good time. He, I he think is he Martin. knows. I think um, because I was saying to Martin, because Ben is a, a drama teacher, he'll be very sort of clued in on, yeah. you know, when he's teaching students different facial expressions and, and things like that. 
like you know they'll do exercises uh, you know look angry or look surprised whatever i think he probably knew that he was there by the look on the face well i mean you you and Mark must have had better drama teachers than me but uh, <laughs> um i mean yeah ben comes in attacks martin martin overpowers him pistol whips him on to the floor knocks in he's out for the count then julie roberts knees him right in the twins uh laura sorry and he hits the deck and she grabs his gun and he says, nothing can keep me away. I can't live without you and I won't let you live without me. And I know you could have some trivia about that. So, Actually, okay. that's why I had that written down. <laughs> um, I, well, not that exactly, but yeah, I did. Yes, I did actually. Uh, did have that written down. Um, what else have we got? Uh, an interesting bit, what we were on about earlier. about uh, That line was ad lib by... Uh, Patrick Bergen, by the way, that's why I brought. Cool. cool. So um, towards the end of the film, during the you know the confrontation, because on we're all about the end of the film, aren't we? Sort of thing. We're getting there, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Martin was originally supposed to have three pages of uh, of dialogue. Uh, you know, Patrick Bergen was supposed to have three pages of dialogue uh, explaining his behaviour. Um, Patrick. Um, disliked the idea of making excuses for an abusive husband and didn't think um, it could maintain the necessary intensity um, for so long and asked it to be taken out. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to work. He's come in, he's, he's beaten hot stuff from next door over the head. Uh, I'm just trying to be humorous. I don't think Ben's hot stuff. Knocks him <laughs> out, he's on the deck. Then you get... Then he's what he stood there. He's like, I, I won't live without you, princess. Uh, suddenly becomes English, and then all of a, <laughs> all of a sudden, what he pulls out like three pieces of paper and starts going to my dearest Laura. Can I start this three part apology by saying that I love you? So truly? Is, it, is it an apology that the character's making, or is it extra dialogue that Patrick should have said that he thought was well? It would, yeah, it would have been the cat, it would have been. I don't know. I gathered from what you read that it was it would have been him kind of saying, you know, Princess, we can work this out. We've had another quarrel, which is a bloody quarrel. <laughs> um, you know, so, so it's, uh, yeah, that would have really been like, hang on a minute, because at this point in his journey, he know, I mean, he's psychotic, but he must, or psychopathic, he must know, like, it at this point, everybody else knows that this is only going to end one or two ways. I was going to say, there's only one way that I think the film was going to, uh, going yeah. to end. Really. Like he thinks what? He thinks he's going to get her back. I mean, it might. Maybe the, when they were writing it, they thought it was good to show his like insanity or his blindness that he doesn't realise that this is completely over. It doesn't matter that he's found her. She's still not going to come home with him and start making him bloody cockle shells. It's just not going to happen. So, <laughs> so I'm just being honest. Just being honest. So, you know, and... You know, she 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 picks up the. Thankfully, that was edited out. She picks up the phone, and he's like, "Speak, speak carefully, princess. Like, I'll find you, Wallace." They I love they it when she hold, the they police. Like, oh. She says, "I've just shot an intruder." Yeah, yeah. I just killed like, an intruder. Yeah, she's like, "I've," because uh, he says to her, um, "What will I do? Give me an order to stay away from my wife?" Because she says that on the bus earlier to the, to the apple lady. She says, um, "She says to her." Like, oh, did, like I rang the police once. They said to me that you could, you, I could file a complaint and I could get a restraining order. And she's like, it was pathetic. I'd like to think things have moved on in 32 years, but I won't comment on whether they have or they haven't because I'm, who might have made a decision. But she, you know, she rings the police. She says, police, it's, uh, it's whatever, Walters, 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 what's her name? Uh, Laura. Laura, what? No, no, Fremont no. Street. Now, what what's her name and what's her name? Like she the fake name she takes something waters, isn't it? Lord, Lord, uh, oh, um I've forgotten. Whatever it is. Something yeah. waters, uh come it's for, uh, Sarah. Four, Sarah Waters, four oh eight Tremont. Uh come quickly, I've just killed an intruder. Uh and for me it's she knows she'll never be free otherwise. She, and he's he's gonna kill her and she shoots him three times. She goes to Ben to help him up. Um and then she's not a very good shot to say he wasn't that far away because you hit the top of the door didn't she first time I, I get the feeling that was a warning shot to be honest mm, but who knows right. I mean because she I mean I don't know but she 
because the shots after that are like one in the left chest, one in the right chest. Uh, I think another one right in the chest. So she, she's not messing about. I think she she thinks Martin's dead. Uh, he, he then gr- grabs the gun and puts it to her head, tries to shoot her, but there's no bullets left. Or the gun jams and he drops dead. She goes to Ben, helps pick him up, um, try and kind of bring him to. And it pans back to Martin dead on the floor. And her ring has slipped off his finger. And then the, the credits start, the music starts. Perfect runtime as well. 94 minutes, that's your lot. But God, it's packed full of stories, great performances, awesome music. Like, the, what happened to making films like within 90 minutes, like an hour and a half? Great film, you're done. Like, this obsession now with films that are like three hours long, two hours 45. It's, you know, I mean, yeah, I know I like Titanic, so I'm trying not to be hypocritical when I say it, but. Like you know, these these perfect little like oh an hour and a half film you can watch and enjoy rather than oh can I watch this film because it's four hours till bedtime and I don't want to be groggy tomorrow, you know. So it's, it's anyway. Um, I mean, um, I mean, obviously, like, like I said, there's only going to be one outcome in the film, but um, I, I, I think there's times when she could have gotten away with disappearing but obviously that wasn't going to happen because it would there would be no story would there if, if she just disappeared there would be no story but yeah, it's um, same, I mean, it's the same with the ring isn't it same if you've not ring, found like... the ring if the if not found out about the swimming lessons um if he hadn't seen chloe and known you know she was still around he wouldn't have known she was she was still alive would would, would he no yeah. but no. then there would be a story so um, yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? If she keeps the ring or she throws it off in the sea, he's probably not going to find out. But he could have found out another way. Who, who knows? It, think... it was stupid though, putting the ring in the toilet. I mean, yeah, she obviously wasn't 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 thinking straight. No, well, I think yeah. it's more uh, an emotional. Decision. I don't think she planned to do that at that point. I think she just sees it on her finger and she wants. She's like, I want, I want this off me. Well, if she gets rid of that, she's like getting rid of him, isn't she? Yeah, I think so. I think that's kind of what she, what they were going for. Mm. I have a little bit of trivia on, well, like from interviews. Uh, Patrick Bergen said he was fascinated by how we're attracted to other people, and he believes there's patterns of behaviour that you get attracted to in a prospective mate. And he he quotes John Clancy and uh, I presume some kind of psychologist or something. Uh, says people are attracted to people who have the same hang-ups as themselves. And that uh, he feel that you feel you know someone very well, but unfortunately it turns out that at a certain point you find out they're not what you thought, which it you know goes back to what Laura was saying that yeah he, you never he really knows. know never really know people do you? Well, she says it to Ben, doesn't yeah. she? You never really know people, Ben or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Patrick Bergen talks about you know Martin saying he he knows her really well he knows people very well he says you can't be that manipulative unless you understand human behavior he, and he quotes like he doesn't quote he says what, what about robert de niro and taxi driver he says you know he's one of those people they adopt whatever they need to to get what they want and achieve and he's like people like that have like an obsessive madness like martin and like robert de niro's character uh, julia roberts said that she read the script and she said that but it reminded her of the puppy from the pound in that she got a puppy and every time she went to stroke the puppy, the puppy flinched. And Julia Roberts said she took that character trait from this puppy that had had a, presumably a rescue dog that had had a, you know, an awful time of it. And she, because it didn't understand that to put your hand towards it, you weren't going to hit it or hurt it. You were trying to stroke it and show it affection. It didn't understand. And she said she did the same thing. That's because it's and, not what it's used to. Exactly. Because it, it's come it, from an abusive um, family or whatever, been treated badly. So yeah. it's, well, no, there's nothing else, does it, really? No, ex- exactly. And she said that it's exactly what happens. She said every time somebody raised a hand near her, she would flinch. And she said that it, that's exactly why she reacts like she does with Ben earlier on, where things start get moving from just kissing to getting a little bit, little bit more hot and heavy. And she's very much like... She just stops. She lose. She gets really upset, and she's like, "I can't do this. It's not right." Because you know, she's still trying to process what she's been going through. Um, and she also said that 
that her character had nothing to lose and everything to gain. She can gain back everything she's lost, her life, her self-esteem, her belief in love, which I think is what the Ben character was there for. But I see your point that it feels a little bit a little bit quick, but again, I'm I mean it is from a book. It's it's yeah. an adaptation of a book, so maybe in the book, presumably in the book, it's a lot more spread out, and I'd be interested to see how what the time frame is. Um, but and she said, and I quote, "I either risk it all with the potential to gain everything, or I walk around unhappy for the rest of my life." And she continues to say she's brave, she's courageous. Her character, uh, Kevin Anderson, who played Ben, said that Ben recognised that hurt in in. Laura's Laura because he believes that Ben has been hurt as well, and again echoed that thing of, do you know anybody, completely one hundred percent? But also, would you want to? He says, I wouldn't want to, like know every single you know. So that was an interesting point. And then just to finish off, Joseph Rubin, the director, again kind of said this about knowing someone and said you've married them, and then you slowly but surely start to see they're not who you thought they were at all because uh that and that reminded me similar and maybe it's because the music is in this film as well but it's very similar to the shining that the greatest horror is is you know the psychotic dad or whatever Uh, yeah, I definitely agree that's with my, all that's that. That's my notes done. That's my notes done. <laughs> uh, I love the bit where um, that that little sort of monologue she says about, you know, that was the night I, that I died. Oh, the voiceover. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because it shows. So they show like her drowning, uh, in inverted commas, uh, from his point of view, uh, the the this neurosurgeon and Patrick Bergen, uh, Martin, and then you see it from her point of view where she's hiding behind the now. This is something I've noticed about Americans. They call them buoys. Oh, I know. We, it's funny, that, isn't it? <laughs> we call them boys because they're, they're boys. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, B-U-O-Y-S, boys, as in at sea. But they call them buoys <laughs> that she's clinging onto. So she swims ashore anyway. So it shows you her. And that's when that uh, that voiceover is. Um, I just like wrote the... all that down. <laughs> Sorry? I wrote that down as well. Yeah. I oh, no, I'll have to... I, love I love that part, though. I like, yeah, it's great. It's a very well put together film. It's well paced. Writing's really good. Performances are really good. It's like if anybody hasn't seen the film and you look at it and think, oh, Julia Roberts, is it a bit of a chick flick? No, it is not. And you are missing out if you haven't seen this film. So go watch it. Uh, I would just like if it's all right to. Um, so the friend of mine who first asked me to watch this because it's one of their favorite films. I asked them when did they first see it and what did they think of it? And they said they think it was in the early 90s that they probably watched it on video uh, maybe a year or so later than when it first came out. Uh, because back, obviously, well, I remember the, the videos and DVDs came out a lot later than even till like last 15 years or so. Like They would come out months after the, you know, after they'd been in cinemas or on TV. It, it wasn't like this immediate thing you get now with all the streaming sites. Mm. And she said that I think it's a good watch. It's an easy story to follow, not too complicated. And the ending is adequate to the storyline. And there's no cliffhangers for a second movie. So, I mean, All yeah. Done and dusted. Yeah. Exactly. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, can you imagine sleeping with the enemy too or sleeping with another enemy? I'd be like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> I shouldn't give Hollywood ideas, should I? Um, yeah, no, I just I mean, think it was a predictable ending, really. Well, uh, predictable in a way that there's going to be a confrontation, but I think the way she acts in the whole, I've killed an intruder, and he's like, what? She's like, <laughs> you know, I, I think that's surprising, if I'm honest. Uh, did we, What about yourself? Do you think it's a bit predictable? Or? In a way, but I think, like we said, I think there's only ever going to be one outcome with that. I think yeah. she would have. There's no doubt that she would have killed him. Yeah, I mean, just to save could, herself. Yeah. You know, neither can live while the other survives. It had that kind of feeling to it, didn't it? Um, Somebody got... said on the uh, internet about um, how because you know people put reviews up on the internet and say what they think and all that sort of thing. Oh, there's like letterbox and stuff, isn't there? Yeah, some. I think it might have been that. I don't know. Somebody said um, it's a bit, a bit silly that you know such a sort of small house. 
how could you not notice a man walking around, rearranging things and skulking around the house in such a small house? Because she's yeah. running a bath. She's running a bath. And she's she's sorting stuff out. She's she's been out. I get the impression he you know, he's very clever. He he she's not like and it is a big enough you know, it's a small house, but well what well, well where are they from? It's not a small house from where I'm from. That's quite a <laughs> quite a large house. For me, I mean to go back to other people's opinions on this as well, uh, Luke from the Luke from the Nerdstalgic podcast. How are you doing, Luke? It's been a while. Uh, who I did the Bake Off series with. Um, he said, fantastic movie. This and Double Jeopardy, which I haven't seen. Have you seen Double Jeopardy? Oh, um, oh what's the name? Um, oh, can't think of a name now. But yes, I have seen. That used to be on telly all the time. I just can't think of a name. Double Jeopardy. Uh, oh. 1999. Uh, Ashley Judd. That's it. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones, Bruce Greenwood, Gillian Barber. Oh, Tommy Lee Jones, yeah. Ah, murder isn't always a crime is the tagline. Interesting. I'll have to give that one a go. So do you have, sorry, do you have any more notes on this one? Any more opinions? Um, oh, there's a gaffe. You know, when the... Um, when I think it's when Ben comes in and they're all fighting, whatever, where she runs to the back door and one minute a stereo's in the way and then the next minute when she goes again, it's disappeared oh, in the way of the yeah. door. Yeah. There's lots of, there's a few gaffes, a few, uh, you know, but you get them sure. in every film, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I actually found them quite funny, all the mistakes. I mean, you know, even continuity errors. Same to Martin, you know, I'll go... Don't they ever don't they ever watch films back when they've made them? No, but they have somebody for that. They have continuity people who are not editors. They are purely there to watch a film and go, yeah, you know when you went from that scene to that scene, Sean, you were on Lou's right, and when you walk around the corner in the next shot that you filmed a week later, you're on her left. So we need to that that can't work. So you need to reshoot or you need to. So there there are people who watch the films. Purely for that, so. But I, I don't mean, think I so, think, would you? <laughs> sometimes. Well, no, not, not sometimes. I mean, to be fair, I, I don't feel like this film ha- was like massively didn't bother me in that way. Well, the number of times I've seen the film, I never noticed these things. To be honest. Well, <laughs> well you noticed them in this one, so. Oh, I didn't. I read them on the internet. <laughs> see about that. See about I that. Don't them personally, I read about don't, them. Don't be that kind of cheating. Don't be that kind of cheating on my podcast, Lou. There's no <laughs> need for that. <laughs> You either yeah, notice these things yourself or you don't mention them. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, I'm joking. But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen the film, go check it out. Uh, I've seen it several any... times, yeah. It's, it's yeah. definitely a favourite, yeah. yeah I mean, you can't, you, can't, you can't beat uh, Julia Roberts, really. You haven't seen Pretty Woman, have you? No, no, I need to watch oh, that, to be fair. Yes, you do, you do. I do. So um, many films. So little time. Mm. Uh, and on that note, I would like to say thank you to Lou for for, for chatting with me on this this review. Thank you very much again. Sleep with the enemy. It's it's been a crack. Very enjoyable. Been a pleasure. Yeah. Next week we're reviewing the film everyone's talking about. Harrison Ford's in it. No, it's not that one. I'm not going to watch that rubbish. Beneath. What lies beneath? That's what we're going to do. Uh, so ghosty to... supernatural thriller. Yeah. Skeletons that jump out and grab you. Uh, <laughs> so... And if that doesn't grab your attention for, for, for next week for us, the next instalment for, for the podcast, uh, yeah, I don't know what will. So thanks Love to everyone for listening. Michelle Pfeiffer as well. Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah, there's yeah. some cracking. cracking. Yeah. Um, but no, thank you to everyone for, for listening. Thanks again to Lou for... Thanks very much for having me again. Chatting. No, absolute pleasure. We'll catch you guys with What Lies Beneath. Get it in, get it on, and enjoy the vlog. Welcome to Film Vloggers. Oh, harder, Daddy. The only film review podcast, thankfully, that poses the question, does watching this film feel like vlogging a dead horse? There he is, beating that dead horse! Introducing your hosts. First up, her Irish potty mouth turns the air a whole new shade of blue. It's Fiona. Say hello, Fiona. And why the f*** is Dan Mackers doing our intro? I want me gold! That's great. It's great. 
She's adorable. And your second host needs no introduction. The man, the myth, the legend. Like, I said I'd do this. I said I'd do this for you. I'm not reading this. It's the guy who waffles too much. It's Ben. Cooey! I'm making waffles. So what are you waiting for? Grab your whip, mount your dead horse, and let's get on with the flog, shall we?